0: On our earth, before writing was invented, before the printing press was invented, poetry flourished. That's why we know that poetry is like bread. It should be shared by all, by scholars and by peasants, by all our vast, incredible, extraordinary family of humanity. That was Pablo Neruda. I'm Bob Holman. And this is the Poetry is Bread podcast, where poetry challenges us, makes us think, and with imagination and courage, changes the world. Today we meet two poets who take great pleasure pushing poetry to the extremes of language, Andrei Kedrescu and Edwin Torres. Andre Codrescu's Romanian growl will be familiar to anyone who's ever listened to NPR as Dada in life as he is in his art. He's got the greatest glasses in Park Slope. His work sprawls across continents and countercultures, an abstract archaeologist of the lost souls of history. Andre's longer bio is on the podcast page, along with links to where you can learn more about him. Andre, really good to have you here, brother.
1: Well, thank you, Bob, for that uh, introduction, which now uh, uh, commits me to uh, a number of thoughts. Well, you're going for it, all which right. is
0: the place. Why don't we begin at the beginning? We want to go back to the uh, to you in the Romania, or I would assume there, where you had something that made you want to get into poetry, to write a poem. Was there a specific poem or poets? How did that happen?
1: Well, I was born in a small town in Sibiu, Transylvania in uh, Romania, which at the time was uh, empty because most of the men had been killed in the war. And so there were mostly women there and children and this really mean teachers we had in high school. And uh, I started writing poetry. Uh, as a way to piss off my stepfather. (laughs) And uh, I thought that this would, uh, you know, uh, be some kind of, um, you know, I would get out of his clutches, you know, because he was a mean guy. But, you know... uh, Poetry does that, you know. It doesn't go... It's a
0: rebellion in itself. It refuses to go to the end of the page. I don't know why it's so exciting that way, All Right. It has such political overtones, but you were this is the way to get back at your stepdad, yeah. Write a poem
1: angry, yeah. And uh, but then I read it at the workshop in, in my hometown, and I started. You had workshops, in well, there? yeah, wow. It was a Wednesday night meeting where a local uh right there' were still quite a few of them actually mm-hmm. got together and read. intellectuals at a bar
0: are we talking about
1: well no it was uh, it was in the headquarters of the communist party it was <laughs> <laughs> was a room uh was a room underneath so everybody wrote uh, poems that are harmless and um, my friends and I were trying not to be harmless. And uh, the Communist Party demanded certain things. You had to write about tractors. They were uh, the heroes of the five year plan who worked themselves to death and, uh, you know, other, you know, sort of, you know, metaphors for that, those things. And so we didn't write that at all. And uh, we were reading the pre war poets like Lucian Blaga and Tudor Argezi. These are, uh, modernist from before the war. I read Tristan Zara in an edition that was forbidden. and uh, we Tristan Zara, the grandpapa of Dada.
0: Um, As I recall, he was born Sammy Rosenstock. Is that right?
1: Right. Well, I was born Andre Perlmutter. (laughs) Well, you opened a paint store in New York, your family. Uh, Yeah, and the cancer uh,
0: center too. So, uh, it sounds like the Soviet, you know, you were born under the Soviet regime. Um, you saw a lot of history going on while you were in Romania.
1: Did any of it get into your poems? Well, uh, I was, yeah, it did, but I thought it did because uh, I spoke metaphorically about what was then the sort of general boredom and despair of everybody around me, but uh, probably only other poets got it so, <laughs> because uh, most people didn't. Uh, read that poetry, uh, the newspapers published only, you know, praises to the party in the front pages. Uh, what we wrote mainly we read to ourselves, and we thought we were making a revolution when we read these poems, and they were they revolutionary were, well, for the time. Dada is, is is you know,
0: is anti-art, you know. You started writing in Romanian, I guess? Yeah. And yes. uh, what was it like, how did you switch to English? Did you uh, move? To, is that when you moved to the US, you learned English?
1: Oh, well, my first languages are German and Hungarian. Actually, I spoke German with my nanny who uh, and my mother who, before I went to school. And I spoke Hungarian with my grandmother. And when I went to school, they told me, uh, we, were, we learned in Romanian, but then I they told me it was a different language, which I didn't know before that. I just thought that Hungarian is how you talk to Peter, and German is how you talk to your nanny. and. Uh, they said, well, they're different languages. Kids, the best language learners there are. If we go, They don't even learn, They it just, they um, access it, you know? Right, I mean, my brain sort of froze when they said, well, these are different languages, but then oh. they're not, actually, because basically you can't speak any language. There's a tunnel under the languages, and you just go in there. I once had a perfect conversation with uh, young women in Japanese, and uh, of course I was an asset in but it, uh, that didn't make it. repetition difference. and
0: communication and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of those beautiful eyes you've got. Music. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. So it was. How,
1: when did English come in? Well, in, uh, when I was 19 years old, uh, we applied for a visa to leave Romania. And at the time, the dictator had this dirty deal going with Israel and West Germany. and. Uh, uh, Jewish ethnics could leave for ten thousand dollars, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I owe the state of Israel and I probably <laughs> paid it by uh by now in taxes but um uh, we're lucky to to go that way right. so really um was the thing that opened for us to leave the the socialist camp, which was really a barbed wire uh, compound wow. and uh we got out um, and uh, I. we could have gone anywhere. We had a period of six months or we waited to see where we we're gonna go, New Zealand or Australia or whatever. Mm. But my mother knew someone uh, in Detroit and he was a relative. So we came to America and this is where I wanted to come in the first place because this is where all the sound, the music was coming from.
0: Great, right. and uh, so it was in Detroit uh, where, you, where, you start, where you first came into contact with English.
1: Yeah, I went to the uh, Writers and Artists Workshop that John Sinclair ran on the John Lodge Expressway, and uh, they, it was a dark beat sort of place, and within a year of being there, it suddenly burst into colors because all the suburban kids who took acid came uh-huh. into town, and then it was a a different place. The sixties had really started. Wow, John Sinclair, who started the
0: White Panthers, and uh, who was uh, busted for pot, and uh, and John Lennon had the benefit for him. Great DJ, great musical
1: sense. Right. Ability. He also uh, uh, produced the MC5, which was the beginning of the the old punk noise. The old, the,
0: all the rock and roll. So, were you bringing the Dada of Romania into uh, into that world?
1: Well, pretty much, except I told them I was French because I didn't think anybody <laughs> knew what Romanian was. So, uh, the first poster that has my name on it is from 1966, and it says it was one of those psychedelic posters done by Gary Grimshaw mm. that you couldn't really read, and uh, at the bottom it said with French poet, André Codrescu. <laughs> hey, do you have to have a poem uh, that uses that kind of Dada energy? Well, this is not so much Dada energy, but it's a poem about uh, um, having gone back to Romania to cover the revolution in 1989. Uh, they brought, they took me back and they gave me medals and including... Uh, a sort of a knighthood that comes with a grave in the Hero's Cemetery, wow. where a lot of national poets and people are buried. So this is called, this is not so much Dada as a poem about that. It says, you there, said the hermit crab, I have a grave in the country where I was born, the country that didn't want me when I was alive. When I was alive, I was told that I was from nowhere and that I must go elsewhere where my people were really from, the people I never knew from the elsewhere I never saw. I did go elsewhere and found you. I'm from nowhere, I said. You said you have a home in me. I found a home in you. You are from nowhere too. We lived in each other's nowheres and made us somewhere. Then you remembered you were from elsewhere so i no more had a home in you or you in me i then had homes in other youths, and other youths had homes in me until they too remembered they were from elsewhere and went there i was again from nowhere when someone else moved in me i moved in them i knew that they had a there in an elsewhere that wasn't my nice somewhere are you from somewhere now and is someone from your somewhere home in you now? Will you there take you back, prodigal, forgive your elsewhere? If it does, I'm glad for us. Until then, all nowhere is you. I have a grave in the somewhere of those who said I was from nowhere, a grave elsewhere in September air. Wow. Wow from nowhere. Yes, mm-hmm. so, you know, it's always people say, where are you from? I've always tried to think of a variation on that idea because mm-hmm. it's very, uh, you know, I mean, I could say from Transylvania, then, that worked for a while, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> so. It still works. Uh, you know, because, I mean, I'm, I never rejected Dracula as a myth No, as a matter of fact, figure. you wrote a wrote a novel about him, didn't you? Well, no, I wrote a novel about Elizabeth Bathory, who was a Hungarian uh, countess who used to bathe in the blood of virgins, so she could keep her youth. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was the Hungarian Dracula, but Hungarians didn't like that, so... Okay. (laughs) But the book is good. All right. Yeah, it is. Uh, Now let's
0: talk about Exquisite Corpse, the magazine that you started that was a national treasure during the years that it was published. You even named that after a Dada game. Yeah. you write one line, fold it over, pass it on, and you see how the poet emerges, the one voice emerges from whatever crew you're hanging out with.
1: Yeah, the first one was uh, Andre Breton and I think Philip Supero, and Andre Breton wrote Cadaver, and and, then Supero wrote Exki, and when they uh, unfolded it, it said Cadaver Exki, which means exquisite corpse. So yeah, we... Definitely took it from there, and the surrealists love playing this game because any number could play, and when you unfolded the paper, you had an X-ray of the collective mind. So there it is. <laughs> uh, well, um, yeah. So we, the magazine started in Baltimore, and then it was a very ambitious enterprise. I wanted to publish it once a, a month, and. Uh, uh, it looked like a newspaper. It, it looked like a half a newspaper. It Mar- was it was a very thin two columns folded well, over. Yeah, it was yeah. folded that way because it was exactly the, same, the size of a letter so you could send it to the post office. For, it was a for,
0: beautiful it. thing to receive, this fat packet yeah. of everything in it. And part of why it was like an exquisite corpse was because you never knew what was going to follow what. You know, It was not just poetry, essays, histories,
1: gossip. Reviews Lies.
0: <laughs>
1: Not so many lies, but we did give out the recipe or the composition of sperm in, on the front page. So that was really, And then uh, we got into various scrapes with the administration of the school of LSU where I was working. And so we had to get a mailbox because the vice chancellor objected to one of the drawings. And I thought, well, she should read the stuff. It's a lot worse. Well, then you
0: moved to, uh, I mean, you've been everywhere, but you moved then to uh, Baton Rouge and, and uh, New Orleans. Um, what was, it's your home, the city of mystery, as Ram divinini says, mystery, history, and dysentery. Mm-hmm. Now uh, we want to ask you to give us a better description of why you fell in love with uh, New Orleans. Well, Did you
1: meet any ghosts there? Well, the ghosts are everywhere. I mean, it's the oldest city in America, and it was not, Amer- it was Spanish, and it was French at certain times, and so all of that is still there. It was the end of the terrible route of uh, slave sugar and rum that came through the Caribbean. It was the northernmost point of the, of that trade, and it has all that those influences there. So ghosts are um, people taken for granted. I mean, you know there are ghosts. And I love old towns because every restaurant you go in, you sit in a chair or somebody sat before you, and then they died, and then you, <laughs> and then you just keep on eating. So, um, huh? and and history has a way in New Orleans of becoming a restaurant. Yeah. So this house, you know, they built for Napoleon that they were going to spring from his Isle of Exile, you know, which where he never got to, became a restaurant. It's called the Napoleon House, and you know, it's a it's a place for conspiring. It's it open all night. You can have go to a cafe or a bar and quite a number of conspiracies are hatched there, actually. Um one guy who took a boat to Nicaragua and declared himself emperor and until a navy ship took him out. Right. And uh, you know, there's all sorts of stories that you know about neurons that are kind of mind blowing and the culture of it is amazing. The the jazz the you know Oh, yeah. New Orleans jazz and blues and rhythm and blues and, you know. Jazz uh, was born there. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, that's around. I mean, that's just part of the, you can hear it coming out of uh, you know, places open.
0: Have you got a poem for us that has uh, got uh,
1: New Orleans roots? Well, I wrote a whole book called New Orleans Mon Amour, you know, which is all about New Orleans, and a lot of those pieces were um, were work made there but you know about this book was written in new york so um i don't think i mentioned new orleans in here but you oh, know, perfect uh, <laughs> well here's a problem that's actually about poetry but probably would work everywhere it's called return of the repressed in the age of the avant-garde robots creating and smashing ideas of high and low was a good business but it cost followers much unneeded pain. They did get tenure, but at what cost? To take up gymnastics at their age was therapeutic, but not glorious. Still, that is the law of succession. First, the French have a good party, then the Germans clean up, then the weather messes up, the plumbing, and the proletariat rises again with tools. They are waiting patiently in the unconscious for transfer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the history of the world at, Yeah, home, well, yep. and you bring up every place. And I think, uh, like I mentioned before, you've lived every place in this country. You came to uh, New York where you lived in a garbage can, and then there was Baltimore and Northern California, the sticks of Arkansas, all this besides New Orleans. Uh, now you're back in Brooklyn. You made a great uh, documentary called "Road Scholar" in the '90s, which won a Peabody. What have you learned about this country back
1: then, and uh, how has it changed now? Good question. It is. It is a good question uh, because uh, back then there were two things uh, that that made me do this. One was that communism had collapsed in Eastern Europe and the Soviet Union. And I was curious to see how little communities, small-scale communism, still work. So I visited a number of communities, religious-based, or you know, some some other ideology in upstate New York. We went to see uh, the Oneida Place or the Oneida was the uh, uh, Bruderhof, which is a prosperous community up there that lives according to principles of sharing everything and. Uh, um a number of places like that i mean i went to new mexico for the same reason to see how people who didn't live the the mainstream american way were doing and so that turned out to be a very good trip as to the diversity and the the strength of of these communities that could uh, survive here now in europe they couldn't have made it because the europe Liberal as it is, it still demands a kind of conformity that he wouldn't, this wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. I visited the Sikhs in uh, New Mexico who are very warlike, and uh, um, as they said, they learn sword fighting on their children because they need to defend what they've got. And, Mm. um, uh, you know, you don't, those are ideas that survived here, but uh, probably wouldn't elsewhere. So it was a different America. And uh, that not just the people I visited, but anybody I would talk to was fairly uh, friendly and uh, not very interested in uh, politics. And they kept their prejudices to themselves, if they had any, because they knew I was from New York. <laughs> so, you know, but things have gotten worse since. And I think that if I took a similar trip now, I would encounter a lot of hostility. I don't know if those communes or communities are still there some of them probably are like the brother but uh i think that people are angrier and they're much uh quicker on the trigger as it Mm -hmm. were to to you know because they're they're angry and they're angry because they've been locked up for by the pandemic and they're angry because there's too much news it's angry because they can't keep up with things and you know it makes them miserable it doesn't matter that they have some money
0: or whatever. Well, on that positive note, um wow. But poetry is brilliant. Okay, right. <laughs> here we are. Have you, what, what poem do you have to take us out, Andre? I mean, <laughs> you will know. take well.
1: you out. No, not in the poem, but I, mean, I have an AR. <laughs> This is a poem called Enchanted Mountain. This is one of the first poets I really loved. There's a Romanian poet who wrote in the um, beginning of the century, 1916. Uh, His name is Lucian Blaga, and I translated his poems from Romanian. And this is one of them. I mean, he had a wonderful fairy tale, magical air. And this is Enchanted Mountain. I enter the mountain. A stone gate quietly shuts. Dream and bridge, fly me up. What violet lake, what vital time. The gold fox barks from the ferns. Holy beasts lick my hands. Strange, under a spell, they stalk with eyes turned within. Buzzing through the sleep of crystals, the bees of death fly in the years, the years.
0: Blaga Romanian poet, turn of the century. His book, at book I is called "In Praise of Sleep." In praise of sleep, but well, let's go do it. You know? <laughs> um, let's enter the mountain here. Thank you, Andrei Kodrescu, for visiting us here at Poetry is Bread. My pleasure, Bob Holman. You're bread yourself. See you later. Well, this is Bob Holman. Back. This is. Poetry is Bread, the podcast where poetry is as familiar as your favorite sandwich. What kind of bread do you like? And here's our next guest, Edwin Torres, New Yo Futurist. New Yo being the city he calls home, New York. New Yorican being his Puerto Rican lineage. And of course, the New Yorican Poets Cafe founded by Miguel Algarin and others. And then there's the future part. Well, to Edwin future can be found in the body. Costumed, performative, spanning octaves, all in service of the liberation of language Las Parablas, set free to play, ready or not, that's K-N-O-T. Edwin Torres is in the house. How are you? Hi,
2: Bob. I am the knot (laughs) In
0: both K and N. Oh. Yeah. It's been so long. Where did we get started? That must have been at uh, Club 52.
2: Um, 54. I, 57.
0: 57. It <laughs> wasn't, wasn't 1957.
2: No, no, no. But the, the club was, yeah, in St. Mark's. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, open mic times there, right before the New Right before the New which came reopened with this surge of energy in 1989.
2: Well, I was doing all these performances in Dixon Place, and uh, somebody said, Edwin, you're getting very popular. You you gotta, you know, speak out for your kind. <laughs> and I was like, oh what the hell? You know, I was like they wanted to attach um uh, lineage to what I was doing and I was just exploring. Um, of course, my lineage was there without me knowing about it, because it's pure that way, you know. And then somebody mm-hmm. was saying, No, your your last name and people are following you, are you Spanish? So after getting over my anger, I I realized, well, let let me check out this place called the New Yurican Cafe. And at the time, I lived like four blocks away from it. So there was a reading, amazingly, that same week at Poets House. And at the time, Poets House was in the school on the west side. Oh, my
0: goodness. You were at that reading. That's a very famous reading. That's that's where... um Bimbo, Miguel, and um, Jorge Brandon. Jorge Brandon was there. Yep, the, yep. Uh, the El coco que habla, And talking and, coconut.
2: And I'm sitting there, and I didn't call myself a poet at all. I was just like this performer guy from the East Village. So I'm sitting in the back of the audience, and Bimbo goes on, and Miguel goes on. They're, they're great. But then suddenly, and now Jorge Brandon, and from the back of the room, this small figure waddles up, covered in indigo construction tape that he had found on the way there that he wrapped himself up and he kind of waddles up uh, and he gets on the microphone and he goes, oh, blah, blah, blah. like his voice was way bigger than mm-hmm. his being, you know? Uh, so that was like, okay, this is poetry.
0: <laughs> that is poetry and that was a phenomenal night. That's when, like you say, poet's house was in a an old high school right, on the right. west side. Yeah. Libra City had just become the director. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, I didn't know. I fi- I think I still have the program. Wow. That, uh, yeah. And of course, Ho- Jorge only spoke in uh, in Spanish. Right. And the poems were not written down. Finding is, <laughs> you know, when we, we when Miguel and I had to get a poem for him from uh, for aloud we had to ha- sit him down and do what they must have done with Homer when they were trying to get the Iliad and the Odyssey. Talk right. about speak, orality. Yeah. Speak, can you slow down a little, Mr. Homer? Uh, writing has just been invented. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. So, but I, I've forgotten about about Jorge in the tape. I mean, there is a model for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
2: well, I saw what was happening in like, I, something that I, I didn't go to school for. I, I was a, a, a graphic designer. And my entry into poetry was like seeing what all these Bauhaus and uh, Dadaist uh, artists were doing with letters. It's like, oh, wow, there's a connection there and there, and there's words there beyond the design. Um, so my entry to language was visual in that way. So I was doing that kind of thing, and then uh, hearing horror. This
0: was when you were in college. This was happening right after college. Right after
2: my, my, college, my first few years. So you had
0: no poetry. In, no, no. In, I, in, although I, I'm finding up in the Bronx. Did you grow up in the Bronx? In,
2: uh, in the Bronx slash East Village. <laughs> okay. I, I I moved. I lived in East Village in my when I was 20. I was like this brave, you know, whatever. I left, and my my mother cried. I said, No, I've got to, I've got to, you know, stake out my my claim uh-huh. in the East Village. Um and I was doing a uh, type you know design back then and um and I was ri- I found this little bit of writing I didn't call them poems but just I was capturing the world around me as a 20 year old um years later that got transcribed into different parts of my poems I realized that I was sort of uh absorbing I, we all are that's what I found out years later how can you not absorb life? It just, it's in you, and it's up to you to make of it, you know, whatever emerges from from the skin pores. So um, I had all this writing, but moving forward, and then so I'm, I'm hearing, so I had this bit of writing, and I see Jorge, and he's just, and I, and I, I heard Bimbo in the reading, and he was like performing in meter and everything, Miguel performing as he does, but it was like, oh, there's a poem there. Jorge goes on, it's like, whoa, okay, this is, is this a poem? And I said, yeah, I like it, I feel it. So I realized feeling and sense were important to me. And then uh, going to uh, to the cafe and going to the open mics and then, you know, you and Lois encouraging me to like go further and further and further. It's like, okay, the connection to the audience, the body to the audience, the sound to the audience. And that's where language lives for me, you know?
0: So uh, let's hear one of those poems. How so, about it? Well, it, when I was performing and
2: somebody says, hey, Edwin, have you heard of Gerard Manley Hopkins?
0: What? That must have been Steve Cannon. <laughs> no, it wasn't.
2: No, it was before New York days. Oh. I, I did my, these performances that were like these one-man shows before the Neo, before Poets House and everything. And someone says, Edwin, you should check out this guy. So uh, I want to read the poem that I, I, I heard of his that said, hmm, there's something here. This is um, Gerard Manley Hopkins uh, called The Windover. Um, okay. I caught this morning, morning's minion, kingdom of daylight's dauphin, dappled dawn-drawn, falcon in his riding, of the rolling level underneath him steady air and striding. high there, how he rung upon the rein of a wimpling wing, in his ecstasy, then off, off, forth on swing, as a skate's heel sweeps smooth on a bow bend. The hurl and gliding rebuffed the big wind, my heart in hiding, stirred for a bird. The achieve of, the mastery of the thing, brute beauty and valor and act oh air pride plume here buckle and the fire that breaks from thee then a billion times told lovely and more dangerous oh my chevalier no wonder of it sheer plod makes plow down sillions shine and blue bleak embers
0: ah my dear fall gall themselves and gash gold vermilion and gash gold vermilion gerard manley hopkins you're going to not believe this, but Ed Hirsch was recorded for this uh, for this series. Mm. He also quoted a Gerard Manley Hopkins poem. What is this with Hopkins all of a sudden popping out of the English oeuvre and becoming? A mainstay. Well, the
2: sound in the mouth and the lingual and, and, and the, 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 uh, the beautiful, the flowing out and this, you know, you know. He
0: called it sprung rhythm. Sprung rhythm, You yeah. know, And you did it beautifully in that rendition, I gotta say. So, so
2: that inspired this poem, which was one of my first poems in the cafe. And this poem also came, the, um, the, in DC, what was the, there was four artists that were, um, there was a, a protest and mm-hmm. that the, we, we got on the bus with Dixon Place down to D.C. to protest against the four artists.
0: Oh, that was Karen Karen yes. Finley and Tim. Holly. Uh, and Holly Hughes. And there was two more. And yeah, yeah. Well, so, so, Tim's going to uh-huh. kill me.
2: But but it, it it was about like you know freedom of of expression so, exactly so I wrote they the bus away
0: their grants yeah that's what it was yeah, yeah yeah yeah
2: so this is about two years before I went to the cafe I wrote all these notes and the notes were written on the bus because I didn't quite know what my place was mm-hmm. you know I'm I'm doing this political thing I don't write political stuff I'm just here because I, I, I these people need to speak their minds. so I was writing this kind of like stuff years later it became this. Um, This is called Liberal and this is one of the first poems that I did at the cafe, actually. Liberal Best Day. And I think that there's parts of uh, Hopkins in here. Once upon a time, I, there was a moment, lovely and anxious and forever, shh, a moment said. You know, I try to do my liberal best day, but sometimes something comes out in jest. I realize the only person I should have this running commentary with is me." If I am the truly open mind I claim, why do I feel today the same? Is a moment of shh, of a sound, of a a, (gasps) ever, forever? Please close your mouth, close, too open, too far, open ears, close, one half, only two quarter pieces of blue. Why did I ever trust you, fly shoe? A single eighth analogies, a Brubeck spiral subtlety, ring a void of vapid null, a nihilistic solo, please, Suck off this electric blue gilt. Tie this protection by a pier-sifting stilt where the pool is a soul-breeze-ism of a gold-gilt pheasant, a delicate prick, and nothing's left but a dream. Tie this kaleidoscope heart by a moor and then a wall of love. Amor, and then some mure of singe, of electric tinged, of blistered twinge, of moments of moments of brutes, maintained and maimed and claimed and blamed, for all collapse and all default, and all of all in all. Why all did you flip me just like that? Have you seen my four sides? Can you choose your own thrill? If I chicka-chicka, don't chicka-chicka, you chicka-chicka will. So why chicka-chicka, don't chicka-chicka, you chicka-chicka chill? You knew what bones to push, to twist that catheter first and fires the fist all oh, moment you fall. swiftly, liftly, flis breeze down, a goose fits view by blissful bris. You, sir, is I, is gorgeous tile. A Rackshaw rickster steams the Nile, a floating babyhood's disgrace. Rabbi rickster sprays the mace, pull the splinter and save the bone. Baby head, Ingested, tested, tossed her tone to dizzy blown fob oh, ah. Cinnamon sacks of lovely bop dizzily flipped the clouds on top. Scalloped falcon peregrine eye tail once upon a time. There was a moment, lovely and anxious and forever. Shh.
0: The audience
2: is cheering. The
0: stadium's going nuts.
2: I realized afterwards that I was really intrigued by the moment. I mean, the poem. Oh, 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 yeah. It is just one moment, that poem. It's just one moment. And I think till now I'm writing about that same moment.
0: Oh, there you have it. Well, this is the thing that that, that so stuns me is how complete you were at the get-go. I mean the way you play with language there definitely the only place you hit on Spanish was when you trilled a more right. in this one other than that
2: you know there's which no now, real Spanish the, in there but right. but the but the Spanish rhythm
0: oh yeah. yeah but did you but you're adding the Spanish Spanish language oh, and other languages over the years but everything else is there the elasticity of the word the splitting up the word and putting another word in the middle of it it's like you emerged full fully <laughs> matured <laughs> as a, you know as Edwin Torres. You know, where's the work towards <laughs> that?
2: No, there's there's a deeper deepening that has to happen within that. But I, I also realized that in that poem, I was very deeper, much deeper deepening the deeper deepening. That I was very much aware of the, of the audience. You know, I, I'm, I'm writing about this stuff, and in the middle, I put the chicka-chicka stuff because like, that's let, the
0: let, part let, that they always that the, let, you let got the, let the me, audience. Let me involve them you. because yeah. they're with me. Yeah, yeah, so
2: yeah. I I, I'm, I I feel I'm going towards a waltz. Let me just own it own the walls, and, that was, and that's also my, my, street, my, my Boricua kind of, like I wanna like get you all dancing
0: with me. Yes, you know, yes, past, so. yes. And yes. that's where the
2: body comes in, so we're moving, we're just shifting
0: ahead here and there. Oh, yeah. oh, audience, if only you could have seen <laughs> Edwin twirling in his chair here. There, was that head going in a different direction? Yeah, that was, I, I remember it so well, your sig- that was your signature poem right. for right. a while. Then there was another poem that came in, Um, I I remember I.E. Seducer, you know, as being, and that one you use also, you let the words dance on the page in your graphics thing, am I right? Yeah, yeah, that's
2: the one where, well, you, when you were, uh, you and Miguel were editing um, aloud, you asked me to submit stuff, and then you said, Edwin, why don't you put, you know, I.E. Seducer on the page? I said, well, I can't do that. It's a performative piece. Mm -hmm. And you said, well, do it.
0: (laughs) Boy, well, I was something back
2: then. You were something back then. And that, and that it was great because it really forced me to kind of like, you know, deal with, okay, what am I talking about? And how do I get it across in a medium that's not that's not just me and that's not just on the page? Can it exist on the page? Can it exist beyond myself? Which is, I, I feel like, I, I love performing on the page, I, I love performing on stage. I love performing so the audience can be taken somewhere. But I also want, I think that's where the deepening has happened over the years where I realize. Mm-hmm. um, I want somebody to take what I'm doing on their own. And yes, if they hear me and they see me, it goes somewhere else. But can they live with it without having seen this person? You know, can can the poet exist in the words? Um which words, is words
0: words as text we're talking about. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Words text and page and everything. Right. So um so so I was interested in, in, in so when you gave me that prompt, I said, Okay, let me see what I can do and and um my graphic uh influence came to the four, it's like, okay, of course, the Bauhaus guys, the Daoist guys, they would eat this up alive and just do something with it. Okay, so, um, should I do the whole thing? I can do part of it. I'll, I'll do, okay, so, and, and this also, I.E. Seducer came from, I, I, I created a, um, uh, a mytholo- mythologized art movement called Interactive Eclecticism which is basically anything, i.e., i, Edwin. I I was playing with language back. This is before like poetry, quote unquote. And Dixon Place is where I I did a lot of these i.e. shows and they were basically a chance for me to just do what I I can get away with. Um, And after three or four of these shows, and I would have a packed house. It was like, what is Edwin up to now? Because I was doing these crazy things with the audience, throwing ping pong balls at them and, and, and passing tape recorders. I was really, you know, I didn't know what not to do. (laughs) So <laughs> great place to be. It, absolutely. Yeah. No schooling, just like broom. Life is the school. So um, after a, few, uh, a year of this, I said, "Well, why is IE so interesting to me? Why is IE seducing me?" Ah. So IE. seducer came from me exploring this question, and at the same time, that's about when I, I had a, the inkling of New Rican, So Spanish and English came into play. So this poem has all these things mixed up together. So IE. seducer. And this, in performance, it's preceded by about a minute of,
0: bleh, bleh,
2: bleh, like, sound, vocal, phonetics, and everything. So I'll just spare you for that. Spare you that for now. I.E. Seducer. I.E. Dusa. Me used to be young. Now, do me edusa no così fan tongue, soy communicato. That's a bad Dusa, Mr. Rato. Speak to these cats, Mrs. All-right-o. Can you me gato, communicato? Hmm, hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I seduces me. I seduce me, into two. Gatos de prrr. Comunicatos de comunicación de comunicar de dos, two dos y los mythology misses all. Ratin. Dos Dios, two gods, two Zeus Zeus, two, 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 two. two sides, the in and the out, audience, backstage. One speaks truth, deuces through doses of truth. Speaks head of that 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 tongue. We used to feel young, juices, We used to be you once, one. And then the, the two goes on to speak about the other god.
0: So it goes on from there. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. what a poem. Wow. That really takes me back to those days. And I remember was I was
2: like, doing that poem for the longest time where the I, E part, I would go like, I, and then on the E part, I would sink my body weight down. E, And I, it was this very pronounced gesture. Mm-hmm. And after about six months of me doing that, you said, Edwin, why are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> why are you putting all that energy to that gesture? Put it up, pull, put all that in your voice. So I said, I can do I, and, and stay right with the microphone. I don't need to go like, whatever. So I, I was learning how to like uh, work with the energy right here, you know, mm. between the microphone and the voice right. so that the audience would just hear and, and get the vocality of it all.
0: Right. Wow. So, yeah. you know, I'm just thinking of those days when the when the cafe reopened after closing for the 80s, for right. AIDS crack and gentrification, say. And then... Uh, the doors open and there you were very soon after it opened and there willie was a, right. another th- new eurekan voice completely different yeah uh, and there was mike tyler paul baity paul Beatty, uh, maggie, estep, Esther, maggie estep dale yes dale tracy Lenders, like Smith, what a crazy chorus. what, a, what, a, Morris, a, crew. what an, a crew exactly yeah you know yeah. um and everybody's so different hal sirowitz you know <laughs> everybody was so different and those differences were completely followed, I exploited. Is the word that came to my mind. I mean, you really everybody traveled their own path, and as differenter as you could be, was uh, the better it was for the for the totality. Hey, I, uh, excuse
2: me. I think that uh, at the time, <clears throat> pardon me, what was uh, really valuable, which you don't realize when you when you're in the beginning of an art of your, I guess, your communication you don't have as many questions cuz you're just doing it and all of us were so different we were sort of like in a way um performing for each other not for not not for an audience mm-hmm. <laughs> performing for the poets forces you to look at your language <laughs> like like what what am i writing and is it's just like worthwhile so i think all of us brought it in different ways and were inspired by such a range of people during that time
0: yeah and it was happening at um every friday <laughs> night at the uh at the New Yorker, I mean, that was one of the things that, when it reopened, I really wanted to try out was mm. not having poetry readings on Wednesday nights and Sunday afternoons, but going for the nine o'clock Friday well, Friday slot. night at was, was church? That was, yeah, yeah, Friday yeah. night make open mic at midnight. <laughs> Woo-hoo! Open room, as Miguel oh, yeah. would just right, start right, calling right, right. it. Holy um, Arroyo. Oh, oh my goodness, the world's worst. Oh, I remember God.
2: Paulie one time he would do these improv pieces that just went on forever but he would throw in karate moves oh yeah and some of them were like so brilliant because his, his meta he didn't he didn't know what metaphor I don't know if he knew technically what metaphor simile was but he was full of that <laughs> like poetically just like taking us somewhere beyond that room and and that and that orality of his body just boom, blah 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 boom. Yeah, yeah.
0: Polly Arroyo, a character from the neighborhood who used to always try to sneak past Julio at the door, <laughs> <Right>. you know. was <laughs> $5. Never on worked. Um, but everybody was coming for the poetry slam. That's the thing. We haven't mentioned that, mm-hmm. that these were not readings. These were slams. This was the first time that Mark Smith's uh, poetry slam idea um, um, escaped Chicago and became a mainstay at the uh, at the cafe, where there was competition going on, also, and people wanted to, you know, one somebody was going to be the uh, the Grand Slam champion, whatever, Paul, that, whatever Paul, that meant, exactly. <laughs> but very, Paul Beatty, who was the first, tried to throw it by doing a haiku as his last poem. Surely they can't give me a high score for this, but they did. Oh, oh, oh yeah, um, so, you know, just having a the slam also was what the press. Bit into right, right. You know? It gave, it gave a way to talk about poetry without having to talk about poetry.
2: And you knew to you knew that was an in, which was really
0: vital. Important. I loved yeah. the slam the minute I r- read about it in the New York Times, uh, the Mark Smith was name was misspelled. Um, I headed off to Chicago to see this thing. It it, it had it all. It was um, you know. It it bit on the athletics. It had competition. Poetry is good. You can't give a numerical equivalent to a to a poem that is completely ridiculous, absurd, and illegal. Um, but we did, and that's why we did it. And
2: those first few years, I remember you would mix the slam up by, by by inviting people between poem between uh, rounds. Like Eileen Miles came up once in in a slam, and she wasn't slamming. She was, and it's like. Who is this person? Whoa! What is that? And now she's off, and I'll go back to the contest. Like, what was that? What? Was that? So you had you knew to keep the show going in that way, and it injecting culture with culture. You know.
0: Oh yeah, and then we had the national slam teams going out, to, you know, to 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 try to win the championship. Um, who did Mike Tyler ever ever possibly try to do a slam? I don't see him as like a. I can't remember. I do remember him when he was reading a poem on the back of a truck and jumped off and broke, and his, broke, his, arm. He yeah. broke his arm. And he wrote a poem know. about that. That, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. I remember. Well, but, but people, you know, at the New Nuyorican people graduated right. from the slam. And You were one of the people that uh, did that. It's sort of, you know, you, you were named, you, weren't you the first fresh poet? I was or? the
2: first, me, it was me against Willie and Paul. I, I don't know if they, <laughs> <laughs> who else is there? I don't know, let's just choose them. Okay. <laughs> And uh, I, I mean, I, I joke about it. it. Was it was great to kind of have that, uh, you know, have that um, energy thrown around? It. But I
0: think it was because you were the weirdest.
2: I was the weirdest, <laughs> the, yeah. So
0: therefore, you were the freshest.
2: <laughs> I, I I barely. I don't know if I even won. I, I won my first slam, and I, I came second many times because I was just too weird. I would use a slam as a chance to do. I I did a, to do performance poems. Right, right. I, there was a poem I did called "Orgy Loves Quickie." which is about Bullwinkle and Rocky having a menage a trois with Ricky and Lucy. <laughs> uh, and I, <laughs> I did that poem as a huge printout. I had two people from the audience hold it. It was my round. oh, well, We have three minutes to do this in. So, because um, if you go past three minutes, you get points deducted. It's, it's kind of oh, crazy. Boy. So I, I had two people hold up this like large uh, printout of the poem. The poem was, was designed to be like an umbrella. Um, And as I read this poem about an orgy, I wore red lipstick. I I had my hair tied off in a bun. I was wearing my black net. I was totally like, what pronoun is he? Who knows? Just like watch the poem. So I'm reading it into the microphone. As I'm reading it, I'm crossing out the letters with lipstick. And (laughs) when I'm done, I put lipstick on the two people holding up the thing. And I think I got a low score. I don't know what score I got, but but I didn't care. I was just, it was a way to play with everything, you know?
0: Yeah, using the slam as a stage for a variety of poetries yeah. was the, was the idea at the New and that's what happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dale did
2: these incredible monologues as poems. It's unbelievable. And yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. But but so so uh, Saul Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: But I, I think uh, you're going you're going towards, oh, going what, towards what poem I wrote after. Yes. So so towards that end. Um, the, the group of poets that you assembled uh, to have us travel around the country, the, the New York Poets Live That's Right. <clears throat> one of those trips was to Alaska. And it was during those trips that, I, that I, I wrote a lot of pieces, and I realized, okay, there's more to SLAM. There's more to what I'm doing beyond SLAM. So um, I, I, I assume you're going to ask me about what, Edwin, what
0: poem did you write? Yeah, what would be a poem <laughs> that would to show this new move for Edwin Torres, beyond SLAM?
2: Yes, yes. Okay, how is that? So, this poem is called Below Horizon. Eagles made for life. They sit as one shape against the freezing sunset. I'm far from where they sit, but not from what they see. To my eyes, on this beach of rock, sits the image of lifelong commitment. Against enveloping peaks and valleys of snow encrusted mountains, blue against the setting red of a freezing sun, which paints this pair with the moment it takes for them to see me. I'm left alone to wonder about lifelong mates freezing at home. Does sundown freezing go home to lifelong mate alone below horizon? Is her home where mine is below horizon where I, solitude against frigid wind, whipping frenzy inside stirred confusion, have no rocks to sit on, no blisters to scale, instead too many words. They take up too much seeing and despair in silent conversation with eyes perceiving subtle shifts in in grass for prey, with eyes that see beyond mountains and freezing, with razor's sharp and distant rise, with eyes that hunt for slightest movement, which gaze into each other for slightest change, then gaze out over frigid ocean, beyond mountain solace, in each other's moment, then gone. And I, left alone to remember them on this beach, am frozen, with the time it takes to wonder if my lifelong mate waits for me with eyes this hungry back at home
0: wow so the land the exterior landscape the landscape the moment moves, moves in by the, still, the the still the moment the, yeah. the 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 body but how about that love poem twist yeah 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 you the, know, yeah that's yeah. something new coming in there right right a little bit of heart in
2: there yeah, yeah.
0: um
2: because I saw that, uh, I, then I was also discovering the, the Poetry Project. You know? ah. And then there was a, a new interest in like, okay, the page. Like what's that, you really? know, where are all these other poems? Because of course I'm reading poems, but, but to see the poems performed by non-performers, quote unquote. Right. Which also then I would see Creeley at the, at the Poetry Project. And that's as much performance. I realized, okay, performance is not what I think performance can be. Because he's as much in just the being of the words, the being of the text, you embody it. And that's what I got a lot from from the Poetry Project, right. Robert
0: Creeley, um, fantastic poet. Um, he he's, uh, his voice carried this tremble of life, mm-hmm. that was always bringing you to truth. Mm-hmm. And um, he would his he wrote very short lines. A poems. lot of air around space around them. Yeah, and he'd put a lot of air around his the words as he spoke them. It was a, a completely different uh, approach to to poetry than what was going on at the at the cafe. But it was also you know, as true as can be to it, and it gave another direction, and here another direction to you for doing that.
2: I think the space that i that I got from Cleeley was really vital in understanding uh, where where the body can exist in language for me. Where you know the, the 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 physicality of of the being um, can can emerge in different ways, you know, in, in syntax, in syllable, in in rhyme and sound, of course, but also just like in in like a sort of honor and restraint around the message. You don't have to tell me everything. <laughs> let mm. me let me think. Just let just- me.
0: Don't tell me everything. Yeah. As a matter of fact, right, right, <laughs> don't, right. don't tell me. Because then I'm done. Where do I go with that? Yeah. yeah. Well, that certainly uh, informs your anthology here, The Body in Language. I know we're skipping decades at this point. We'll go back, yeah. but it just seems like a time for mm-hmm. the, the Body in Language, and anthology edited by Edwin Torres that is published by Counterpath. Mm-hmm certainly stirred up the downtown scene here with the variety of poets that you included in here. Can you give us a, a, a brief description of what this book is? I, I, well, I, after years of wondering, like,
2: what, what is it about? Same like I.E. Seducer. Why does I.E. seduce me so much? Why does the body seduce me so much? So I figured, let me just, if if I can't necessarily write about it, let me collect people that are inspiring me and um i realized that i was um, um interested in stepping outside of just poetry the the, the anthology embodies um, um healing practitioners musicians not just writers although they would i they would not call themselves writers i i think we would you know in a way i i feel like you know people write their lives with every step you know it's that kind of thing so like we're all writers it's a matter of like catching it so i would i would some of them i had to pull to kind of like no, it really it's 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 worth writing about really, and so you know I think same as you prompting me to do the design for Ie seducer, I think editors can envision things that other people maybe don't, so they 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 pull for that thread. So same thing with with this, um, and I really wanted to have a collection of uh, I didn't want like a what is it, a dictum? I didn't want like a, mm-hmm. um, a, a final word on what the body is in language. I, the, the title was, was really hard to come up with. <laughs> I had all these, all these clever poetic titles and the publisher said, well, isn't this about the body and language? I said, yeah, oh, that's, it should be. So it, <laughs> just that simplicity is like, oh, of course, that's what I'm writing about, the body and language. So, um, so the gathering was one thing, the assembling and, and, the, and the, the sequencing Oh, what I think interesting, I I wanted to have chapters of bodies. So the chapters are uh, uh, groups of four people, four contributors, and I assigned each contribution to an element.
0: Yeah, this is just amazing. There's 16 Roman numeraled uh, chapters here, and each one has four poets that uh, have... One of the elements assigned to them. Right. And the elements aren't in any specific order either. In,
2: in effect, everybody's work goes with each element. For for my purposes, I wanted the uh the for me the overriding theme of that particular contribution, you know, was more water, more air, more thinking, more this or that. But in effect, you know, we all encompass each other, and I wanted the the anthology to sort of capture that. So it's also uh in book form. How do you kind of uh, uh, build traffic, right, build, right? You know, get you go- to go back and forth. So it's not just one sequential
0: kind of thing. It's a dialogue or a conversation or a colloquy, or to make it
2: organic, so that you know, I can I can choose to pick that up and that up and that up, and then that's one body and so right. forth. You know, it moves it moves all
0: it all the way moves, through. Yeah, and uh, so do you have something about this uh, to, language to to read this? about? That. To read about that?
2: Um, in, in a way. Notice how I'm far away. Notice how I just heard my, I'm far away. Oh, Edwin, there he is. Come back, Edwin, oh, come back. Oh, wait. Oh, he's performing again. Oh, no. Edwin is he's twirling. In the oh, there his he
0: is. He's oh, down wait, on oh, the ground. As he the about. I don't want to be talked about, be but, victim, but I am being talked about because run. I
2: can't help it. It's amazing, I just look boy. out the window and I see a poem. his book. Okay. So I have a poem from my recent book. Did you want me to read something from the anthology? No, no, read another
0: recent book.
2: Poem. Uh, one of those things called book poems. Yeah, those are very popular these days. Yeah, <laughs>
0: no, they're not. They've moved uh, on to the, the digital. Po- the yes, TikTok poem.
2: The TikTok poem. What the hell? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's a whole nother, Yeah. That's okay. Uh, we talked about collect the the new collection of poetry and how the new readership of poetry are collectors.
0: Okay. Oh, like you're talking about NFS, NFTs. NFTs. NFTs NFS is bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I yeah NFTs and poetry.
2: We talked about that. Um, anyway. Not we, for we, sale. We 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 divulge. We don't. Die. We diverge. Yes. And in our divergence, we divulge. Ah. ah. Must be the bowery talking.
0: Now his glasses are okay. beginning to. Oh right, so so this in.
2: poem Bob and I talked about. Bob will be commenting as I read this. Is that correct?
0: I guess. I mean, we did that for the last one, but let's do oh, it. Oh, oh, that, that was, was the thing. Yeah. Oh, that was it. We're done. Okay. Come well, in that case, <laughs> hey, no, no. Let me, let's so now let's read a poem. Okay, poem. I'll, I'll see what happens here.
2: <laughs> you know, we okay. Oh, remember. Harbachi, Harbachi!
0: Oh, yeah, our duet. Our
2: duet. That's right. This is like okay. So, so audience, uh, Bob and I. This is when twenty years ago. This is before Rubio, before my 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 child of sixteen, and it came. I don't know why we came up with it. I think I think we saw that we had a certain natural repartee. We had to
0: repartee,
2: and and it's gone. No, so so but, but, so has so, <laughs> the part, hey. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, where I dressed up as a oh I was doing Steve Cannon's poem a uh, play, and I had a character. And you said, oh, we should do that character, that's and, whatever. Way. So I dressed up in this thing, and you were were you dressed up too or no? I
0: was dressed up too. Yes, but I,
2: I didn't I I said nonsense, and you interpreted for me exactly, and that's what it was. Yeah. And I think it was my uh, uh, inspiration of like uh, the nomads of life, the the, the the various, you know, um, estuaries that we run into in life and, and how they appear as like people. And, and Bob would pick up on like, oh, what are you, you know. What are your water? Hang on tight. Uh, audience, this is brilliant. What are your water? Do you-
0: that should be the title of this podcast. What are your water? Yeah. Yeah. Put, you can't step into the same river once. Unless you douse your toe.
2: Okay, so that's... Okay, here we go. Uh, here we go. So this is actually, uh, this is actually a written poem um, in, in the newest book called Puanundrum, I Will Be Your Many-Angled Thing from Roof Books. This came out um, in, in 2021. The Acrobats' Last Meal. Once you are given the opening to encounter negative space in proportion to positive space, a new balance is born, a calm out of kinetic obstruction. Your gift to become the obstruction, to resonate in the steady, to become noun things in your mind. When proportion is introduced Use to combustion,
0: with language the fracture ignites
2: so that change is born out of proportion. The process of proportion and sizing it out is the investment that time brings to you, to the work. You are the work you interfere with. You, this point is you the inherited the cycle past the, the side, moment of its creation. You are designed interference beyond the continuum you design. The moment, continuously at moment with itself,
0: forced into your livingness by your exact not steadiness. Is called upon.
2: Molecular insurgents arriving to
0: get your molecule.
2: Order, among the ravenous stability who threaten to change under with immobility
0: rather than understand. If there's an if I don't move and if not is my move. There's the moving. He's doing it. He's standing on his toes like a ballerina. No one moves. Looking gorgeous in the spotlight. Where does proportion allow
2: breath? There is removal among the language seekers. Among the colloquial inventing recipes for stagnant breath. At war with their mobile
0: brethren. Never has the voice appeared except when it is breathing. I am the gored are there. by the headline.
2: The tusks are there. Masquerading as finished. It's not over. A deification of balance by demons of instability. The acrobats are back. The circus is happening. Approaching consumption without a flinch. There's no eating without a fork. The self carnivore is the master of swallowing.
0: Ooh. Okay.
2: Okay. And uh, can Bob, will you describe the page that it's next? It's, it's next yeah, to, it's
0: next to a page that has. Um, every word type on top of every word. Breath, it's my constant. He's not There's sure no page he's there. I about. am totally a self-carnivore these days when the, I'm swallowing. Uh, I'm seeing under the undertones. Poem, and yet the poet is turning the page. Oh my goodness, the poem goes on and it goes on backwards. That's the most amazing part. The of it. interesting no, thing is there's a thread that runs from the instability to a fascination. It's designing the proportion among languages. It's among the a colloquial. A river of there's no white river. in the middle of the page. There However, there is a the poem now spot here. There must be a word. And then the poem is finished. Swallow. Uh, could you okay. open your Bible? Uh, turn to page, um, guaguá. I would like to, Miguel and I used to do this. I would love it. Do you you have a loud down there? I do. Why don't you turn to page 312? Here is a,
2: um. Audience, if you have the book with you, please turn to page 312.
0: This is Uh, a poem by Lucky Cienfuegos. This is the
2: sound of the audience turning.
0: Oh, oh, beautiful. Lucky Cienfuegos was one of the originators of the New Eurekan, Who disappeared. I mean, no one knows what happened to Lucky. Supposedly it was something having to do with cannabis, but those were before. I guess you can disappear from cannabis. It it certainly happened to him. This is a poem of his called In the Pocket and Spend It Right. People. Am I reading this with you? Yeah, it's a duet, by the way. Oh. I forgot to tell you that. (laughs) Miguel and I did it. Now you can do it. Okay, Okay, here we go. In the pocket. In the pocket and, and spend, spend it right. right. People, 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 Chinese, Chinese philosophers, philosophers, people, philosophers of mystical magic talk of tossing pennies with
2: away. Talk of tossing for, pennies away.
0: Good for, luck. Good luck. Talking,
2: talking, talking of throwing coins in
0: dark, in corners. dark corners. Chinese too. philosophers. Why? Well, their let's coins
2: bring about some magic. Bridges. To so glow. Maybe we can glow, we'll bring on. Let's some glow, glow. To glow, pennies are thrown. What are you going to throw? You're going to throw pennies. Pennies, good throw? Luck. good luck. Believe, Believe that. that, not, not my, my friend. Are Yo, you my friend?
0: Put it in your pocket and spend it right. right. I'm Bob Holman, and thank you for listening to Poetry is Bread. Subscribe to our podcast to get notifications of new episodes, or check us out at BoweryPoetry.com. The podcast is co-produced by Ram DeVanini and Flavio Roja with Rataplax. The podcast series is funded by the Citizen Diplomacy Action Fund, which is sponsored by the U.S. Department of State, with fundings provided by the U.S. government and implemented by Global Ties U.S. in partnership with the Office of Alumni Affairs and the Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs. Additional support from New York State Council on the Arts. Governor... New York State Kathy Hochul and the New York State Legislature. See ya!